Hey, good morning, Asheville, and welcome to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLIC, where we talk all things real estate. And I don't know about you guys, but I survived Thanksgiving, man. Feel like a few extra pounds, though, but how are you guys faring? Food coma. Definitely food coma. <laughs> food coma. Food coma, leftovers, everything I'm l- else. I'm lucky I'm awake. <laughs> Oh my goodness, <laughs> Jimmy! What about you, man? Talk about. I'm still digging that dressing I made. Man, uh, it's good. I like dressing. Dressing's good. A little extra sage sausage and some green apples. I have the spicy Ooh. and the sweet. It's good stuff. So, are you the southern style with the cornbread or the northern with bread? Oh, you mix it. You mix it. So he's a hybrid. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, he's got a hybrid. I do cornbread going. and then and then leave some purposely leave bread out to where it'll you know dry. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Well, there you go. What about you guys. You know, I eat so much at Thanksgiving. I I can't even hardly <laughs> stomach the Everybody thought does. of leftovers after yes. that. So my mother-in-law makes a mean banana pudding, and mm. I just I uh, I'm gonna have to walk for the next month. Yeah, I'm gonna park the car and just drive walk for a month. So, what about, how about you? <laughs> I'm actually I've always loved pumpkin pie, but oh, my wife makes a um, pumpkin cheesecake. Initially, I was like, "What?" But she makes a killer white chocolate cheesecake. And then she did the uh, pumpkin, and I was like, oh, no, we're not taking this. We're not sharing this. <laughs> this is staying here. Okay, <laughs> I'm now, thankful for this to be in our house. <laughs> this is a southern thing. Buttermilk pie, anybody ever had it? I have. I've heard of that, but I don't think it's I've good. ever had it. Oh, yeah, it's one of my favorite desserts. Oh. Mm. It doesn't sound necessarily good, but it is. Mm. I'm a fool for pumpkin pie. Yeah, pumpkin pies. I, I mean, I love the pumpkin cheesecake. I've had that, too. I'm a, I'm a sweet I love sweets. I'm just, I just send me cookies and cake. I'm happy. <laughs> me too. So uh, me too. Me too. So, but I'm thankful to be here. Absolutely. With you guys. And I'm thankful for you guys coming for me last week. Had a little mishap with the daughter getting hurt at school. I had to go pick her up, but she's good. And Mr. David and Mr. Corvo ran the show. And I heard it's now the Money Dave show. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> No, it'll be the Dollar Dave show. Dollar Dave. Dollar hey, Dave. Dollar, Dollar I like that. Dave. You got to go with the alliteration. Okay. I like that. That's good. That's good. Well, the good news is, is the uh, SEC did not shut us down. <laughs> We're back on air again, <laughs> and uh, we also didn't get shut down. What's the other one, Jimmy? The uh, who regulates you guys? FCC. FCC yeah. didn't shut us down. So, is that all you guys have to answer to? Is the FCC? Well, the FCC is the government. So, dude, know. that's one. We how many how many government agencies do we have to listen to? Yeah, uh, more than one. Yeah, not anymore. Oh, Come well. January, it's all over, right? <laughs> it's not going to change that fast. No, no. I wish it would change that fast, but it's not going to change that fast. David did a good job. He stepped up to the captain's chair and took control of the situation, and uh, so we thought we thought it went well. It out absolutely went well. So again, thank you guys for that, and yeah, I was afraid we we're going to have to run a rerun, but we didn't. So you guys did an outstanding job. Thank you. Did any of you guys get into the Black Friday shopping? My sister-in-law makes me do that every year. <laughs> to me, makes you just, do that every year? It's just kind of pointless. Cyber Monday, I get, you oh, know, because you can Cyber go Monday. online, but it's like fight the crowds to save fifteen percent. No thanks. Exactly. I, I, I will tell you this: uh, Home Depot again this year. The Black Friday sales kind of extends on both sides of it. And I'd flat out tell people who are buying a home for me, don't ask me about refrigerators. Wait for Black Friday this time of year and just tell them to deliver it. Because I, I can't get refrigerators as cheap as they sell them at Home Depot and Lowe's. Really? On Black Friday? I cannot. Yeah. I can't. Uh, the, refriger- the price for a refrigerator at Home Depot, Black Friday, even right now, this week is cheaper than I can get them 
through my builder rep. So how many do you wow. buy at a time? Well, I last year <laughs> I bought two for the price I usually pay. I'm sorry, I bought three for the price I usually pay two. So I do, I, Jimmy. I do actually buy a refrigerator for every inventory house I have this time of year. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, why don't you just buy ten unless they have a limit? Uh, well, because I, <clears throat> I don't always have a place to, to put them. Oh, uh, right, right, right. So I mean, you know, I'm gonna, if I try to store them in my garage or somewhere else, they get beat up, and I don't mm. want to give somebody a beat up refrigerator. But I, so this year I didn't order any because I don't have any inventory. But last <laughs> year I did order three of them and, and put them in in the house and paid the same price I would have normally for two. Nice. Yeah, it's nice. really good deal. So people think you, as a builder, get these great fifty mm. percent discounts on all the appliances, and you're putting the other fifty percent in your pocket. So it doesn't sound like that's the case. No, I mean we get we get contractor pricing for everything else, but appliances, the margins that real t- retailers make is so thin, and and so, I you know the other th- issue that I deal with is you know if you go down and you go buy a refrigerator for your house. You go down and buy a refrigerator. You buy whatever they've got in stock, whatever they show you. You say, okay. And if you go and you talk to the salesperson says, oh, I'm sorry, that's sold out, you go, okay, well, what's next? For me, I sell a product that I have to be able to get the same dishwasher and stove for every single house. Otherwise, I have people who have expectations that I'm not hitting. Right. So I I can't take it. I pay more for appliances than most people would just off the street because I have to get the same refrigerator and stove every time. I have to know that I can get that refrigerator and stove every time instead of just taking whatever's on sale. So why does it cost you more? Because they have to keep that in stock or? Just because I can't shop the sales. I can't take advantage of this one got discontinued, this one yeah. is on sale because they over-manufactured. And, and you, know, you go down to, to Home Depot and, and the prices are just crazy. Crazy. That's a plug for Home Depot here in this Money Man Mike show. It is. A free plug. Yeah, man. Free plug. And they didn't even pay me for that. They should, shouldn't they? Yes. They should know. pay you in refrigerators. They should. You would think so. <laughs> or <laughs> lumber. I'd take lumber, too. Dude, that that would be your hookup there. Yeah. yeah. I, used to, <laughs> I used to buy a bunch of stuff from Home Depot. Um, they, used to have, they do have good pricing on some building materials. Yeah. Which is nice. Cool. Well, let's get into today's show because, heck, we're several minutes in and we haven't talked anything about any real estate, but that's okay. Man, we talked appliances. Well, we talked appliances. We talked food. Yeah, I mean, what else do we need to talk about but food? That's true. I would say when I sell a new home, I there's one thing for sure. I'm, I may get asked about windows. I may get asked about roof. I will always get asked about appliances. Every single person is going to ask me about appliances. Really? Absolutely. First thing, first thing is probably the refrigerator. Uh, you know, I don't get asked a whole lot about the refrigerator because it's an option for us, but I do get asked about it. But I get, you know, what kind of dishwasher, what kind of stove, and stuff like that. So and you can upgrade people from your stock, right? Or do you just kind of stick with what? You know, you know because best? because I I can't really offer people a differentiating value. I just let them go. We use Hermitage Lighting, so there's another free plug, Hermitage Lighting. And we'll talk about this when we get back. But people can go and pick out whatever they want and pay them for the difference, so that I don't have to interfere with their good value pricing. That'd work out for both sides. It works out good for the consumer and for Hermitage. It doesn't work out great for me because it's a lot of extra work and no benefit, but that's okay. It's uh, help my customer out. That's what I care of the customer. That's what 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 you're about. Yeah. Hey, you've been listening to the Money Man Mike show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. When we come back, we're going to talk about some post-election interest rates and what's up with them. 
And then we're going to talk about a scenario about what kind of advice you would give in this particular situation. So it'll make you think about it a little bit. So come back and join us here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We talk all things real estate. And now that we're in a post election environment, you know. We're not going to get into politics as far as who you voted for, why, what, won't. Don't care about any of that. We're not going to start any riots up in this place, not least with election stuff. But post-election, we always see a spike in interest rates just because you have a change of leadership and it's just the jitters of the markets not really knowing what to expect. And it's natural. Well, we saw a little bit more than just the typical historical jump um, when President well, they jumped. Trump, yeah, they jumped. All right, but how much do you week over week? What do you think? Three quarters of a percent? Every bit of three quarters of a percent. Maybe even a full percent. Just shy. Just shy. Yeah, that's probably a safe way to say it. Just shy. Anywhere between three quarters to right at a point. And and so if you're at three and three quarters before, you're quoting people at four and a half right now. Potentially. So that three quarters of a percent on two hundred thousand dollars. How much a month is that, plus or minus? Uh, now you're gonna put me on the spot. And I never want to do that kind of math, Mister. All right, we'll save that for the next one, for the next session. We'll talk. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll do the math that. when we're at the break. It's not as much as you would think, though, which I think is exactly where you're gonna go with this. And part of me bringing this up is, even though rates have jumped, you historically look back and and look at the average. Oh, the crazy cheap. Oh yeah, the average fixed rate. 30-year mortgage over the last 45 years. Take a guess. Uh, oh, Probably four and a quarter. I, I would the say. average I, over the last 45 years. I, I would say it's more like 6%, six and a quarter, six and a half, something like that. Maybe Jimmy, seven. Come on. Give us. Give us your, I'm going to say seven. Seven? Chris, it's definitely over six. Chris, you're going to stay with your four? Over the four, last 40 years? 40 years? 45. Yeah. 45. Oh, no. Okay. I'll, go, I'll probably go six and a quarter, six and a half. 8.26. Oof. Wow. That's higher than I would have thought. Yeah, that is higher than I thought. What do I win? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were the highest. You were the closest. Closest without going <laughs> over. That's without Price is Right rules. <laughs> I've been a dollar. Ding, ding, right. ding, 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 ding. Uh, and Chris just gave me a note that the payment difference from- So on $200,000, that what we said, two hundred. Yeah, $200,000. Okay, so on a 30-year loan at three and three quarters percent, um, it, the principal and interest would be nine twenty six. If we went to four and a half, which is a three quarter of a point increase, it would go to a thousand and thirteen. So it's an eighty seven dollar a month difference. That's that's it's not going to blow you out, but it's significant money. Thousand forty four years, what that would go up. Yeah. So, but and, and that's at the worst case right now because yeah. we're already starting to see a little bit of a reversal. It's going to get better, and then the Feds more than likely come December fourteenth will vote to increase short-term rates, which will help mortgage rates as well. So, I mean, it's just the initial jitters, the initial shock, but if you were... I'm going to take the contrarian view, if you don't mind, David. Go ahead. I mean, Michael. Who are you again? I'm David. <laughs> You're Dollar Dave. Sorry. <laughs> I think I think rates are going to continue to go up. I think we're going to see 6% by the end of 2017. Long-term, totally agree with that. Yeah, I think we're going to see 6%. And that's not high. I mean, that's you just heard. I mean, that's on an average on a long arc, that's pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't think people ought to wait because I do think that rates are going to go higher. I think we're going to see some inflation. We're seeing a lot of labor pressure, 
And, you know, I've, I know that there's a lot of housing inflation. You see it personally. You know, and I just I don't see how that inflation just stops. I think the inflation is going to accelerate. Yeah, I mean, we've been calling for rate increases forever for the last two, three years. I mean, not just us personally, but the Mortgage Bankers Association, uh, NAR, National Association of Realtors. I mean, you name it. Everybody's been calling for it, Fannie, Freddie, FHA. But we just haven't seen it due to the market. And, you know, we're going to see the short-term spike right now. And as the feds increase rates, the short-term rates again, then we're going to have – a little bit of recovery and then but ultimately just has everything gets you know installed with the financial cabinet of uh president-elect trump mm-hmm. things will start to settle out but long term ultimately the rates will be probably every bit in the six percent bracket I totally well to get way out in the woods you know the government's been buying bonds for the last several years right which yes. has kept the rates really really low and i hear talk that they're getting out of the bond buying business which will then put it back in the private sector correct at that yeah. point in time to do that and most investors if they're out putting their money out investing their money they're going to expect some sort of a return on their money to do that in buying bonds at three you know at three percent interest rates mm-hmm. as opposed to six percent makes it probably more attractive for people to do that I ran a payment calculator on two hundred thousand at six percent as opposed to two hundred thousand even at four percent right and it's about a two hundred dollar difference a month now, now that's real money that's gonna that's gonna knock people out yeah 200 bucks would you but, know and so if you're thinking about buying a home and you're gonna well I'll wait till rates come back down to three and a half percent I hmm. think you're gonna have a very long wait well it's I mean, I've said it on this show a couple of different times when we talked about housing values. To me, the real problem is the price in houses here in Nashville. I mean, they're going up much quicker than the rates are even trying to go up. Oh, yeah. And now if you're going to have a double-edged sword, you've got house prices continuing to go up and you've got oh, rates yeah. that are starting to move up. Now you're really going to get priced out. Oh, yeah. So if, you, if you've been sitting on the fence and you're listening to us today – or if you catch us on Facebook at Money Man Mike Radio, out on the website at moneymanmike.net, uh, then you need to get into the market if you've been thinking about it. Because the longer you wait, the more you're going to cost yourself. And not just in, you know, 5, 10, 15 bucks, 200 bucks, 300 bucks, 500 bucks, depending on the prices that are going up and the rates that are going up. So, Well, some people, you know, their numbers are so tight. And, and that's a small number, 200000 It's kind of it's kind of hard to buy a house in yeah, the next for man. that for that price, and uh, for some people who have tight ratio numbers on their uh, loan to value, I mean, a number like that could, even if the house they had under contract, could make them not qualify any longer. See, that's a perfect example of where we would take somebody that has the profile as we've discussed on previous shows as a conventional buyer, good credit, they hit that red bullseye on the target, DTI is low the whole nine yards, but now their DTI goes up because rates went up and the prices went up on the houses. Now their DTI is over where they're conforming. What's the DTI mean? Debt to income ratio. Thank you. Jimmy, you're slacking. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) In a world where Mike and David know exactly what they're talking about and the rest of us are saying, what the f***? I'll have to change that to Dollar Dave. Sorry. Dollar Dave. Dollar Dave Club. <laughs> Dollar Dave Club. I like Chris that. Cash. <laughs> Chris Cash. That's wow. my nickname, Cash. He is a genius at this. Yes. Yes, he is. He is a genius at this. <laughs> Just rattling it off, man. <laughs> but no, I mean, that that's a perfect example because now all of a sudden we run the automated approvals and it kicks it out because it says the debt to income ratio is too high. Yeah. But you flip it over to FHA, payment's going to go up. 
but yet it still approves them. So now what do you do? You either buy or you don't buy. Yeah. So if people are looking at houses today um, – First, the first question is: How long could somebody lock a rate if it wasn't for new construction? How long with Waterstone? How long can you lock the rate in if you locked in today? A full year. You could lock in a rate a full year. A full year. Okay. What, what people don't understand though is when you're locking in that far, you're basically saying, "Hey, what's the stock market going to do one year from now?" Yeah. You're predicting the future. You're Nobody pay, has you're, a glass you're, ball. You're paying a premium for that lock. Yes. The longer you lock in a rate, for the furthest out your rate lock is from your closing date the more expensive it gets. So, okay, let me ask you this. What if it doesn't favor you in a year? Tough? Pretty, Pretty much. much. Wow. Yeah. But you also have to have a property in order to have a rate lock on yes. something, correct? Yes, you do You can't have just to have. say, hey, guys, I'm looking at buying a house. Correct. Can I go ahead and lock a rate in? Can't do that, no. can you? You've got to have essentially a social, social security number and a property address, and that's what ties to your lock. So in a normal situation, the only people who are waiting a year is maybe somebody who's building a house? Yeah. Because so, most people aren't going to. Do you have anything with a float down? It depends on the market. I mean, we can float it down. It's it's a case-by-case scenario in some situations. Um, there's a couple different programs that specifically allow the float down. But in our market, the chances of you needing the float down is not going to happen. So floating down means that if I've locked in and the rate got better, you – would say, hey, Chris, we love you guys so much. We're going to drop your rate a little bit because the rates went down. Exactly. Okay. And how? Sometimes a lot of them have one-time float downs. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. You pay a premium for that, but it's good insurance if if the rates do continue to go up. Now, the premium you're saying, do you have to pay an upfront fee or a fee, and is that fee refundable? Depends on the loan program. Some some is uh, some is a non-refundable, and some are refundable. But it depends on the type of loan program. If you're doing jumbo, if you're doing conventional, just all, totally depends. New construction, construction of perm, just depends on your program. Case by case. Lots of stuff. Lots of variables. As our attorney friends always like to say, it all depends. Yes. It all depends. Hey, when we come back from break, we're going to get into uh, the tip of the week. You want to do the tip of the week? Yes, sir. We'll do the tip of the week, and then we'll talk about the advice um, in this one particular scenario. Which advice would you give? Been listening to the Money Man Mike show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike show where we talk all things real estate. And we want to kick off this segment with David's tip of the week. Fantastic. And as always, you can hear this tip of the week or share this tip of the week on Facebook. Or you can go to our website, capitalhomeideas.com. Capital Homes on Facebook as well is pretty easy to find. So it was nice and warm through mm-hmm. most of October and I mean, all of October, <laughs> really. And uh, then all of a sudden, bang, it got, it got cold, man. It got cold fast. And the th- tip of the week is make sure and disconnect your hose from your hose bibs, your spigot on the outside. Okay. If you don't take your hose off of your hose pipe, you will burst your hose pipe, and then you'll have to call a plumber out to figure it. And first, you got to turn out how to turn off the water, and, mm-hmm. and then you got to figure out how to turn it off. And so, even if, even though we got in the 20s, even if your hose pipe did not freeze last time, it doesn't mean it won't freeze this time. So please run outside, take your hose pipes off. If you have an encapsulated or conditioned crawl space like every capital home at capitalhomeideas.com, every capital home, you don't have to worry about your pipes freezing because you got nice warm air going into your crawl space. Okay? Yeah. So that's great. 
But if you have a slab or you have a traditional crawl space, at night when it's going to be down in the 20s, you want to open up your cabinet doors and your kitchen sink and drip your sink mm-hmm. so they don't freeze. And then the last part of this tip is just keep your pipes from freezing is when you go on vacation, don't be cheap and turn your heat <laughs> off. You will come home to a big surprise. <laughs> Water everywhere. A bad surprise. Bad surprise. Leave your heat on. The lowest setting, 54 degrees is fine. If you're on a unconditioned, you know, just a traditional crawl space that's open, drip the water. I know it's going to cost you money, but drip the water and leave the heat on or leave a heater on. Sometimes in the very, very, very cold winters, we had this about three years ago where it was in the teens for a week and a half straight. If you don't have water in the morning, even if you have an encapsulated conditioned crawl space, all of a sudden you don't have water, it's probably your meter out at the street that froze up. So if you, no matter how good your house is, and you got an encapsulated crawl, you bought a capital home five years ago, and we have a week-long stretch where the weather gets down into the teens every night, night after night after night, you might have to drip your sink those times too just because your meter, your your actual service coming from Metro Water or whichever water department you belong to may actually freeze up. David, you can appreciate this. Last week on our one of our first cold nights, yes. I passed an apartment complex. They, they put those signs out that it says, hey, freeze warning, let your faucets drip, you know, mm-hmm. which, I, you know, I get it. They don't want to have to pay for all those pipes. And at the same time, across the way, the sprinklers were on. Oh, man. I'm like, guys, you got to pick one or the other. Wow. Either let your pipes freeze or turn your sprinkler off. Can't do both. Yeah. They're, well, you run the sprinklers so that your sprinkler system won't freeze up. Well, <laughs> but, it, but it's like 40s and it's supposed to be below freezing. It's I know. like, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, know. There, there was a geyser uh, right on Old Hickory Boulevard, one of the apartment complexes. They didn't turn off their sprinkler system mm-hmm. and it froze up and... And when it thawed out, it was a geyser right at the right at the yoke, right where the water goes into the system. It was shooting straight up, probably about thirty feet in the air. And yeah. It was beautiful. I mean, it looked like a beautiful Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they didn't think so. And if it was still cold, it would make that cool ice, you know, ice sculpture shape. Oh, it, did, it, it, oh it it was. Oh, it did all it, that. early in the morning. It was pretty cool. It was a big old ice blob of uh, ice everywhere, and it was just going, and it was pretty cool. And to see some of the shots off of um, the one that comes to mind is uh, Chicago, the the. The wind's coming in from the north, Ooh. taking Lake Michigan and just pounded it into it. And all of a sudden, it just starts to enclose and create all this ice sculpture over everything and just freezing oh, yeah. everything in. Oh, yeah. I think that's cool. It is cool. Then you see those pictures of those cars that are covered with two, three, four inches of ice. You can't get in. You can't get under them. You can't move them. You can't do anything with them. Oh, yeah. Let them to thaw out. Well, David's from the north. He knows what that's about. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, the first time, though, I did go, I did go to, uh, to Green Bay one year I, for some no good reason. But I went to Green Bay. And I, I, every car in the parking lot is running, every single one of them, because it was so cold. If you turn your car off, it would freeze right up. No joke. Oh, yeah. Or everybody's in the restaurant eating dinner or whatever, and every car in the parking lot's running. Wow. That's funny. <laughs> That's cold. Oh, yeah. That's cold. Yeah, I figured, you know, they, I guess they thought, you know, who wants to steal a car this cold weather? Nobody wants to go through that. Who wants to chase them? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Screw that, man. So going back to the meter thing, when you think about that, your meter box. Mm-hmm. It's underground. It's underground, yeah. but it's just a cover. Yeah. It's a metal cover, and That's it's not correct. a sealed cover. That's correct. So what can you do other than my layman's th- thoughts of just shove some insulation in there? What can you do to try to prevent or try to insulate drip, that? Drip your sink. 
That's it. Yeah, that's the best way to handle it. Just strip your sink. And, and because, you know, the frost in, in Nashville, in the middle of Nashville area, in a typical winter is, you know, less than three inches. Mm-hmm. So the ground that's down at the bottom of that box, which is a minimum of 20 inches, is 54 degrees. So, so the water will freeze. Okay. But so that's why it, it's not just one night. It's not that first 15 degree night that's going to make your water meter box it's a freeze. freeze. It's it's dragging that freeze so that that frost level gets below the normal three inch frost down to about a foot. And then all of a sudden that temperature at the bottom of the box isn't 54 degrees anymore. What's and our that, typical freeze line here? Less than three inches. I thought it was deeper than that. No, it's not even calculated. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you, when you have to do foot or 12 inches deep not to get below the freeze line. It's just so that you have 12 inches of concrete. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, there's, the freeze line is, I think, an inch and a half or something like that. It's, wow. not, it's not even calculated. Okay, I'm not going to play the warning here, but uh, what exactly is a freeze line? A freeze line is the typical depth that the ground will freeze in a normal winter. So the freeze line, for example, in Chicago, I think is 18 inches. And so to make sure that water doesn't expand and heave your footers, your footers in Chicago have to be at least 18 inches, in, actually 24 inches into the ground. Okay. Wow. okay. Okay. That's why basements are so common up north so that you're getting below that freeze line mm-hmm. and then the footers will only be 12 inches deep, but they're, they're you know, down you know, below, you know, hopefully eight inches in the ground, I mean, eight feet in the ground. Mm-hmm. But if you have like a daylight basement, but the back of the basement is open up. Those footers in the back of those houses will often be 24 to 36 inches so that they're below the freeze line. Hmm. And it also dictates how deep you have to put your water lines and your sewer lines. So water lines up north are typically three and four feet in the ground so that they don't freeze up. Hmm. Didn't know that. Yeah. I was in here. You can just scoop a little dirt over them. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Sounds like three inches. <laughs> Pretty much. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, there it is. Put your pipes in there. Put a little sod over it. Boom, you're good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty. Twelve inches is what they want, and and uh, for water lines here huh. in the Nashville area, they want at least twelve inch cover. I always thought it was like eighteen inches or something like yeah, that. They want, they want at least twelve. Problem with Nashville cover. when you're doing that is the rock, the the uh, yeah. the, the the limestone or whatever. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, we're shooting for twenty four inches just so that people don't hit them when they're putting their azaleas in or whatever. Right. You know, but it, you can pretty much do twelve inches. They don't. <laughs> the utilities don't care. Well, let me get you guys to weigh in on this, and this includes you too, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. What advice would you guys give in this situation? A survey of 2,000 American adults found that their best financial decision that they ever made was getting a college education, while at the same time, their worst financial decision they ever made was not saving enough for retirement. Hmm. What do you guys think of that? Because they're spending it all paying off student loans, probably. Depending on what kind of degree and what they went to school for, yes. I will say this. College is no guarantee, all right? So I've been a doctor, lawyer, teacher. Most of those guys will, you know, end up in that career profession. But, you know, I I think a lot of – and when I was younger, we kind of had this, you know – Misinformation, and I think millennials are going through that now. It's like, oh, I'll get my four-year degree. Yeah, I'm going to get out making seventy-five thousand dollars a year. I'm set. Mm-hmm. No, not necessarily. And you got two hundred thousand dollars worth of student loans. Yeah, or I, more. My, my son, when he was at a local high school here, I won't mention it, but it is a public school. And the counselor stood up in front of all the students and all the parents and said. Borrow as much as you need to to get a degree. It's worth it. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa. I just turned to my son and said, 
you do not take that advice. I mean, if you're going to get an engineering degree and you borrow a couple bucks to get an engineering degree or an accounting degree or something like that, okay, or a doctor's degree, whatever. But, you know, my son's got, you know, a communications degree. That's not worth borrowing for. No, not not what they're going to want you to borrow for. Mm-mm. That's insane. Hey, we're not done with this. We're going to pick this up on the other side of the break. But uh, you've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show where we talk all things real estate. And on the other side, we'll get into a little bit more about this. Uh, what advice would you give them? Way in on Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We talk all things real estate. And before the break, we we're talking about what kind of advice you would give uh, based on a survey that was done with 2,000 American adults that said their best financial decision that they ever made was getting an education, a college education, that is while their worst financial decision that they ever made was not saving enough money for retirement. And, you know, one thing about that is what we're seeing on a day-to-day basis today is with all these millennials, it's their their whole credit report is full of Sally Mae and E-loan this, and it's just, it's insane the amount of debt. And then they're also changing the rules on them because now with like FHA and even with Fannie Mae, if if it does not show that it's being paid off in 120 days or basically 10 years, we have to count 1% of the balance against them. Wow. So if they're in a income-based payment plan, which is 100% legit offered by the student loan company, we have to totally disregard that and count 1% of their balance against them. Oh. And in some cases, well, we had a client where sure. that absolutely killed the deal. Um, Freddie Mac still allows you to go right off of the credit report. So that's one thing that we do is we'll flip them over to conventional loans if we can. But just to see how many files we, we see now that have just numerous amounts of student loan debts and the amount of student loans debts is just yeah amazing to me. You know, it's so important, I think – and not to sound too much like a different show altogether, but it is so important to establish as early and as young as you can that habit of saving something. Yeah. Saving something. It doesn't, you know, don't feel like you have to start, you know, in your in your 20s saving, you know, $1,000 a month for your retirement. Save 50 bucks a month. Just get in that habit. Here's the great thing. A month. Great thing Anything about compound interest. Because, you know, you look at an amortization schedule for a 30-year loan, Mike. Yeah. You guys know this. And you look at how much you have to pay, you know, to borrow that money. Okay, yep. that's fine. That works against you if you take a full 30 years. However, if you start... When you're yes. young enough, it'll work for you. Mm-hmm. Just the opposite. Yeah. So the, the key to wealth, it's it's really simple. It's, you know, don't live beyond your means. Save your money. Pay off your debt. And the quicker you can pay that house off and start putting that mortgage payment in your bank account, even somebody who makes thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year can end up being a millionaire. Yeah. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, and and I, Mike, you see this, and I know that Chris, you see this too. The other mistake that I see people make frequently is they have a loan. It's time to refinance for whatever reason. Get rid of the MI, interest rates drop, whatever. And they automatically start thinking about rolling their other debts in. Well, we have my car into it. And then, and then, and it's not so bad. I mean, if you sit down and you do the numbers, it's kind of okay, except it frees your mind up to go out and buy another car. You've got to be disciplined yeah, not to it's, recharge. Or... It's a little too convenient. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and so, you know, 
I was giving someone very dear to me this advice. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Hey, you want to pay off that loan that for your air conditioning unit. Okay, that was something for the house. I kind of see that. But don't pay your car off. Make your, pay, pay your car off another way because all you're going to do is free yourself up to go out and buy another car, and you don't need another car. You need to, you need to improve your balance sheet. You need to start well, saving. We, we always take a step back and look at it and say, if someone's in super dire straits and they need to free up cash flow, mm-hmm. then we can also make them close those accounts. Yeah. Which doesn't mean they can't go back out and reopen them, mm-hmm. but that used to be a standard requirement. If you're paying off debt to qualify, you have to close those accounts. Yes. Period. And the conversation, and you have to provide proof prior to closing. That's and you've probably seen this many times oh, at closings sure. with you. Oh sure. Well, we have to pay credit cards off when people are buying houses or yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. to be able to qualify for that. But that doesn't always stop people from from having to do it. I mean. You see it much as I do, where people just they live on the edge, so close mm-hmm. to that, and, and and the minute something happens, something goes wrong, uh, they're just in no position to do anything no. uh, to do it. So, but it's just the reality of the situation. Okay, how many times does somebody get qualifying for X amount of money for a loan, and then go out and buy more stuff before they buy the home? I know you've seen that. Oh yes, we've seen that kill deals. <laughs> yeah, like oh no, we're good, we're approved now. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have to watch it anymore. You know, it's interesting. I don't have that happen to me much, but it might be because I tell people not to do that. But yeah. I know that it happens. I know yeah. that it happens a lot. Uh, last time it happened to me, I think the guy did it on purpose because he decided he didn't want the house, and that was the easiest way not to qualify. But hmm. he could have just said, hey, I don't want the house. And I would have gone, okay, I'll sell it to somebody else. No big deal. What did, what did he go buy? Anything fun? Car. Oh, wow. That'll do it yeah. sometimes. Big old car. Big old, I think it was a like a Land Rover or something crazy like that. Wow. It's like, man, are you kidding me? Whatever, dude. Well, as an owner, I mean, I own my business, David, you own your business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're looking at people's resumes and you're looking at what their qualifications are for schooling, how many resumes have you looked at that the that the degree has nothing to do with, with the job they're even applying for? Mm-hmm. A lot, a of, lot times. of times. Yeah. A lot of times. I mean, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll generically and use your son's, he's got a communications degree. You know, to do that, and how many times do you see somebody with a communications degree that's going to apply for the home builder or, or the mortgage mm-hmm. company or whatever, and you're yeah. kind of going, okay, well, that's probably not going to do you much yeah. good for for this. It's glad to see they've got the education, they've put the time in to do it, but a lot of times the people don't end up doing what they've actually got educated to do. And, and I believe strongly in the value of that education. It's just why we spend more. Education is one of those things. I see people do it over and over and over again. They pay two and three times more than they need to mm-hmm. for some prestigious thing instead of getting the degree that they want. To. I mean, I don't pick on my poor son. My poor son never watches this, so I mean, listens to this. He'll be okay. <laughs> but my son went to UT Knoxville to get a communications degree when, in fact, MTSU right down the street from our house for third less had the video arts communications degree that he really wanted. Yeah, that's a great program at MTSU. It is a great program. So I don't know why he had to go to Knoxville. I don't know. He thought. I guess he thought we were going to drive down to see him in his apartment in Murphy's. But like, I don't care. You want to see that filth? Are you kidding me? It's been 18 years. Yeah, man. You're good. Man, I got it out of my house finally. What do I want to go down and visit it for? <laughs> but for people who take on student debt, and this is, I guess I just want to make the point on this is for your sake, Mike, is that um, if they go delinquent on that student debt, especially if it's government-backed student debt, how does that affect, how does that affect their loan? Man, stu- student debts, I mean, it, 
going late on a student loan versus a car payment, you're still going late. It's still going to affect your credit score the same way. But what we see is student loan student loans are or more likely to be reported as some sort of delinquent account, whether it's the students or the borrower's fault at any reason at all. Because I mean, it could have been the more than mortgage fees. The they consolidated the accounts, and we see this quite often where they consolidated accounts and they sold to another one to refinance their student loans. But yet, something gets reported negatively on the original student loans, and they are the hardest accounts to get updated, to correct, to fix. So from that point of view, they're the worst outside of an IRS lien. They're the, they're the worst impact. They, they could have the, the worst impact or the most hurtful impact on you as a buyer when sometimes it was nothing that you ever did. And you can't declare bankruptcy on them either. That's mm-hmm. right. They're stuck. You're stuck with them. That's right. right. And people, I don't think, understand that. Federal debt, tax debt, and student loans. You cannot get rid of no matter other than paying them off. Or, or you could die, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That's not going to do you a lot of good, but they will go away with that. Well, it's something that you may not know, Jimmy. This is actually true. Um, when you fill out the FAFSA forms, your student, your child, cannot fill out the FAFSA forms on their own. They have to have a guardian or a parent <laughs> fill out the form with them. It's required. You can't get them any other way. And one of the little things when you're going through and you're clicking off, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree, is you are agreeing as a co-signer to all of the student loan debt that your child may accumulate. Oh, by the way, because of privacy laws, you don't know that they've accumulated student loan because you apply on the FAFSA just to get the federal grants and the money that's free, and then your student can turn around and borrow money with the FAFSA application filled out, and you not know that they've acquired some debt and yet you've personally guaranteed it. I want to know what other lender besides the federal government can even think of doing that. If any other lender did that, it would be fraud, and you wouldn't get away with it. But on FASA and the the Sally Mae, that is absolutely how it works. And and I've had people say, that's not true, that's not true. I'm like, okay, read the fine print. And then because they're filling out applications for the kids, and they go and they read the fine print, and they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just signed off a personal guarantee. Yes, you did. That's renewable as many times as the child wants to do it. Absolutely. Holy Absolutely. Cow. So, I, you know, <laughs> I used to make my son give me his balance. You know, okay, let me see where you got the money to pay for that. Okay, good, you're good. Give me your access to your student yeah, loan yeah, account. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, there, and there's really no constraint on how the money gets spent. I mean, you hear these stories about kids using it to buy stereos and concert tickets and stuff like that. And it's actually worse than that because the two scenarios that I know where that kind of thing happened, it wasn't the student that spent the money. It was the mother that bought a new car. Uh Uh-uh. It was the father who bought plane tickets. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, then how's the child supposed to understand money if their parents are doing that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we, we inherit that. Well, we don't inherit that, but, I mean, we, we're a product of our environment. Right. So, yeah. You know, yeah. So, I mean, what you see and what you're accustomed to is what you're going to grow up to be. Yeah, yeah. If so. your parents don't teach you how to use money, it's, it's, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see it also with the first-generation immigrants because they don't have the ability to borrow money because their banking systems usually are a wreck in the country they're leaving. And, and they get here and they don't understand. Yeah. And it really it turns into a bad spiral yeah. for them, too. They're anti- financial institutions for the right reason from where they came from. But here it's yeah. it's something you've got to embrace in order for it to... Or, well, that, or they just don't even exist. The financial institutions don't exist in some of those countries. That's true, too. 
but then they got mattress money, which oh, all day long. Well, the parents do. The kids don't. Well, true, but but from a lending standpoint or yeah. house purchasing standpoint or whatever, you, you mattress money is it's no bueno. Yeah, yeah it's difficult. <laughs> so, it's no good. <laughs> it's no good. Yeah, Can't use it. Well, Jimmy is playing the. Uh, you guys have got to go music and get on out of here. It's been a great show today, man. We're all still alive after this post-turkey week that we had. So, coma. Home stretch yeah. to Christmas. Yeah, you got that right. This is the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Check us out on uh, Facebook, Money Man Mike Radio, and moneymanmike.net on the internet. We're out. <laughs>